Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we know, God, that and we have complete confidence that your word is alive and is powerful. God, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And so, Lord, we just make room today, God, in our hearts and believe that you'll speak to us with great clarity. God, we are a people that are hungry for your word. Lord, we're hungry for revelation. We're hungry for truth. And, Lord, we just pray today that you would reveal it, that you would open up our hearts to receive it. Holy Spirit, do what you come. Uh, do what you can do best and just come and teach us today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, today we are going to uh, kind of set a course where we're going as a church over the next few weeks. And uh, Miss Vicky is going to be helping me out today. Uh, but on Wednesday nights, we're, we're starting a new equip class. We're going to focus really uh, maybe for the next month. Uh, I know we will on Wednesday nights. We'll see kind of where it goes on Sunday mornings, but really just purpose. And let, let me maybe kind of throw this out there before we get rolling. Just kind of walking into the new year, I really feel in my heart, and Jen and I do, that, that God wants to take us as a church back to really the basics, back to the foundational truths. And, and part of that is, is, you know, I think sometimes when we walk with the Lord, sometimes we can get uh, kind of go, oh, I kind of move past that. But the truth is, is a lot of times the older we get in the Lord, sometimes we forget to walk in the foundational things. Is that true? In other words, we just kind of get away from the things that we used to do uh, when we were first saved and we were first born again. So I kind of want to approach maybe this uh, next year in two ways, that we become hungry and believe God's going to speak to us and remind us of things uh, maybe that we need to clean up, we need to uh, recalibrate, we need to get realigned in, and, and just, uh, you know, even as, as Pastor Brian said, you, you know, we met as a board the other night, and it's just basically it's a season of order. Really, that's what it is, and, and it's the, the understanding that glory follows order. Amen? And so, and so part of this is um, twofold, that not only are you coming for yourself, but also as you sit there, uh, as believers, we're not only disciples, but we're also called to make disciples. And so you've got to hear it twofold. It's not only for you, but it's also uh, you'll find that in conversations that you're having at work or with your family or whatever, there's things that maybe you don't have the answers for. And when you're going to become church, I really believe this is going to happen, that, that we're going to communicate by the Spirit. We're going to answer those questions, and you're going to walk away more empowered, and you're going to have the ability to disciple people. Amen? Amen. Awesome. So. Uh, I'm going to talk to you for maybe about 20 minutes. We'll see. And then Miss Vicky's going to come, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. So hang in there with us today, all right? So I want to start off by saying this, that uh, 15 years ago, Pastor Rick Warren, uh, he wrote a New York best-time seller uh, book entitled this, The Purpose Driven Life. Wave your hand at me if you've ever heard of it. See, see, the tagline of that book was simply this, is what on earth am I here for? Now, here's what's wild. In the first five years, now this book has been out 15 years, in the first five, book, uh, five years that that book was in print, it sold 30 million copies. 30 million. In fact, if you go and you look and do the research, it's in the top 100 books that's ever been sold. Pretty impressive, right? So it's kind of proof that people were wrestling with questions like this. Who am I? Do I matter? What is my place in this world? Am I here by accident? It's the question of, does God really have a plan for my life? How do I recognize the will of God? And this is a big one, especially among Christians. Have I missed or have I disqualified myself for the will of God? You see, 30-plus million people were searching for the same thing that we all want. Is it true that we all want a reason to get out of bed in the morning? That we all want a reason to do what? To have a passion, to have a passion to live for. We all want to live for something that's bigger than ourselves. We all want our lives to count for something. We all want to leave a legacy. We all want to uh, live lives that are significant. We all want to know why we exist. Every one of us in this room and those 30-plus million people, we all want to know, God, what's your purpose for my life? Is that not true? 
See, the, the book proved that people were waking up to the fact that just maybe, that maybe God doesn't want us uh, to walk aimlessly and just kind of wander aimlessly in this world. Maybe it's, it's proof that what? That God hasn't left us out in the dark, that he hasn't, uh, you know, called us to just live in a maze, almost like we're disoriented and confused about what direction we should take in life, that, that God doesn't want us to speculate or guess about our purpose. And believe it or not, that God actually doesn't want us, hear this, folks, that God doesn't want us to struggle in making decisions for our lives, that he doesn't want us to have fear and worry concerning our future. That's a lot of Christians. So it's kind of like this, that maybe that life is more than just kind of dragging ourselves out of bed every morning and going to some job that we hate, hoping that we can make enough money so we can somehow scrape out a meaningless life. Are you hearing me today? See, what I believe that those 30 plus million people began to discover is they began to discover the truth of this, that the truth is, is that long before we were conceived by our parents, we were conceived in the mind of God. Believe that today, that we were conceived in the mind of God. The fact is, is that's not by chance, happenstance, coincidence, or the luck of the draw that you're breathing at this very moment. In fact, you are alive today because God has a purpose for your life. Amen. Listen, it's the fact that you are alive today because God wants you to be, that he wills for you to be alive today. It's this fact, and I, and I hope you believe this today, but that God isn't, uh, he's not evil. He's not hiding his purpose from you today. Amen? God is not playing hide-and-go-seek with this, saying, I've somehow hid your purpose somewhere, and now you've got to hope, hopefully, hopefully you can find it. God's not like that. It's, it's almost like this. Let me maybe use this analogy. Um, how weird would it be if you had some kind of uh, problem in your plumbing at your house and you called a plumber to come and to fix the issue? And then he shows up at your door, rings the doorbell, you just open the door and you just walk away. And you go in your head, well, I hope you can figure out where the problem's at. And then he, then he's, he kind of looks around, can't find it. He goes back the next day. You open the, you open the door, you walk away. It, it doesn't work like that in life, right? Now, listen, if, if we wouldn't do that with a plumber, right, then why is God going to do that with us? Do you understand that we were singing it today, that he's a good, good, right? He's good. I might say he's a good, good father, which is another song, but he's good, right? And so he wants to show it to us. It's this fact that, that not only is he not hiding it from us, he doesn't want to make it hard for us to find. And sometimes I think that we, that we make finding the purpose of God and the will of God so difficult, we talk ourselves out of it. In fact, it's kind of this. If we can grab a hold of the fact that, yes, that God's good, but that he longs for us to discover the life he created us to live. And I've said this a hundred times, but he wants us to discover it more than we want to discover it. Amen. Now, listen, that God desires for us to walk. Somebody say walk. That he wants us to walk in the fullness of that purpose, once again, more than what we do. So this morning, I want to just, for the next maybe 10 minutes, um, kind of with all of that, I just want to share a few simple thoughts and five scriptures with you. A few simple thoughts and five scriptures. Here's the first thought I have this morning. In my opinion, one of the many things that people began to learn in that process as they read that book, and many of us have learned this in this room, it was this. It was that we can't discover, we can't receive a revelation of God's purpose for our lives by looking within ourselves. Now hear me, that we cannot find, we cannot find, it's impossible to find our purpose by looking within ourselves. Now let me, let me maybe 
reiterate, there's pieces that we can look within ourselves and we can, and we can figure out, we can discover, we can maybe bring clarity to things. There's no doubt about that. Um, but my point is, is the starting point can never be within ourselves. The starting point has to be with God. Are you all with me today? See, the truth is, is this, is that you and I didn't create ourselves. Correct? We didn't create ourselves, so there's no way that we can tell ourselves what we were created for. If I didn't create myself, then I don't have the ability to say what purpose I was created for. It's almost like this. This may sound silly, uh, but when there is an inventor and he invents something, the, the, the thing that he invented doesn't turn around to tell the master what he was created for or the inventor. The inventor himself created that object for a sole purpose to do something. It's the same way with God. So, listen, the Bible tells us this in Colossians 1.16. Colossians 1.16 says this. This is the Message Bible. It's, not a, it's, it's a paraphrase, not necessarily a translation, but it puts it really well. It says this. It says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Why? That everything that was, once again, that was created in him finds its purpose in him. Can somebody say in him? Yeah. Ephesians 1.11 says this. It echoes it. It says it's in Christ. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. It says long before we first heard of Christ and got our, got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Thank God says, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Somebody say purpose. See, you've got to understand today, it's, it's kind of twofold, okay? Um, we don't find our, take a little rabbit trail here real quick. We don't find our purpose for our own pleasure. Do you understand that? that we, in other words, we, we don't, it, it's kind of like in this sense. If we could grasp a hold of the truth that we were not created for God, or let me say it backwards, that God was not created for us, we were created for God. So there's this fact that, in other words, because, because God wasn't created for me, I don't use God for my satisfaction. The bottom line is, is once again, that he saved me, and now my purpose is for him. Right? To serve and to do his good pleasure. Not my good pleasure. Amen. So, so when I understand that when I, am, when I am turning my gaze to God and I begin to ask God, what is my purpose? I have to understand that my purpose is, yes, it's connected to him. And as it's connected to him, it's also connected to the local church body. And as it's connected to the lo- local church body, it's connected to the body of Christ. Do you understand that when it says there at the end that it says part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone it's amazing to think that, that my life, as insignificant as I may think it is, is actually connected to what God has done from the beginning of time to the end of time, that I'm a puzzle piece in that. Amen. And see, that, that's why it's so important that none of us sit back and think that we, we have, like, no significance in this. To understand that the Bible tells us in Corinthians 12, it says that we are a body and the body needs one another. So the, the fact is, is that uh, part of the reason why the church is, isn't as powerful as what God has called us to be is because the majority of people are just waking up every morning and living an aimless life. 
Are you with me? That somewhere along the line they haven't connected with God, say, God, what is my purpose? And they haven't seen the overall picture to see how they fit in the whole thing. It's almost like, and I've said it before, like that little kid going to the, going to the backyard fence and just looking at the hole. But God actually has climbed over the fence and is looking at a whole backyard. He knows it. And so he wants our little piece to fit in with all of that. Yes. And there comes a time where we got to go, okay, God, begin to show me that view instead of this view. Amen. See, this is why I believe it's so important that we let God work out his purpose in us. How many of you guys know that God's working out a purpose in us? Yes. So look at Romans 12, 2. And this can maybe help some people understand that why you're going through life, God begins to nudge you on the shoulder uh, and begins to say, hey, nope, you need to go that way. Nope, you need to go that way. Nope, you need to do this. Nope, you need to do that. Anybody get those moments? Yes. So here's kind of why. Here's why we need to let him work it out. It says this in Romans 12, 2. This is from the New Living Translation. It says this. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Don't copy the behavior and the custom of this world. Now, I want to take our eyes for a second and, and not talk about the sin piece, but, but to understand that if you and I went to Barnes & Nobles today, right? If we roll over to Augusta, if we go into Barnes & Nobles and we go to the self-improvement aisle, right? There's, how many of you guys have ever walked down that? There's, uh, I mean, loads of books, right? And, 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 they, and they will tell you how to find your purpose, but they all, they all start not at God, and so when we look at this as saying, don't do it like the behavior and the custom of this world of looking within ourselves, but we got to stop and we got to look at him. Yeah. Amen. It says this, it says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. In other words, that we don't think like they think because we have the mind of Christ. Amen. So listen, why is it so important that we allow God to change the way we think? It says this, it says then. Can somebody say then? Yeah. It says then you will learn to know God's will for you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. So let me maybe interject this. Is, is this, this piece of I can be a Christian and I can go through life and I can have good morals and I can do all of that. I can do, I can do things in a, in, a, in a good way. I can be a good person. But at the end of the day, not really understand why I'm waking up. That why I'm breathing. Okay. It comes that time where I stop and I get on my face before the Lord and say, God, I, I got to see what you see. God, give me your heart. Give me your passion. Give me your desire. You, you know, there's, there's that piece, if I can kind of interject a verse, where if you read in Exodus where Moses is standing in front of the burning bush. Remember, remember what we said last week, that he, that he took off his shoes, right? God said, take off your shoes, replace your stand in the holy ground. It goes back to that thing of don't track your past into your present, right? Because God's wanting to do something now in a new season, in a new day. And it's in that moment, God said this. He said, I have heard their cry, I have seen their tears, and now I've come down to send you. He was talking about the Hebrew people. I have seen their tears, that they're enslaved. I've seen their tears, I've heard their cries, and now I've come down to send you. That was the moment where Moses got with God, and God said, here's your purpose, boy. You've been wandering too long in the desert, and now here's your purpose. Y'all follow me today? We all need a burning bush moment, Yeah. Some of us need a burning tree. <laughs> so it says this, it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. 
which is good, pleasing, and perfect. To interject this thought here, I remember when I was in high school, I was a senior in high school, I was so scared because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I was so scared to give my life to Jesus. I knew without beyond a shadow of a doubt that I needed him. I knew I was a sinner. I, I ultimately, I knew God was good, but, but I was so scared. And here was my hang-up. No, no, no joke. Here was my hang-up. God, if I give my life to you, what are you going to do with it? I was so scared that God was going to do something with my life that I didn't want to do. How funny is that, right? And that held me back for so long that I finally, I'm telling you guys, and some of you guys have been there, but I would, I would sit because I, I would go to this little country Baptist church that was up the street with my neighbor, and uh, we were just a bunch of teenage kids. And, and the pastor would give the altar call, and I would squeeze the back of that pew, and I would, no joke, I would start sweating, and my heart would start pounding because I was so scared at that moment to say, yes, Jesus. You all following me? Anybody ever been there? Maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> so, listen, over the years, another thought for you. Over the years, I've learned that God not only wants us to know his purpose for our lives, because there's a big thing between knowing and doing, right? A lot of times there, there, there's such a, a large gap between what we know we should do and what we actually do. But listen, he actually wants his purpose to sink so deep in our minds that it begins to burn in our hearts to the point that begins to shape every thought and every decision in our lives. Every thought and every decision in our lives. In fact, the other day I was reading, uh, I read a book called Adventures in God by John G. Lake or about John G. Lake. And when John G. Lake um, got born again, he was so consumed by God in fact, he was, a, he was an insurance salesman. You've got to think of the, we're talking the late 1800s. This guy was making $50,000 a year. Pretty good money, right? Like, we watch Andy Griffith a lot in my house. And, 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 and Barney talks about uh, buying Thelma Lou for $1.25. He, he bought her a meal. So I'm thinking, rewind. That's the 60s. Rewind even more to go, okay, the late 1800s, this guy's making $50,000. And he said this. He said that he was sitting in his office, and uh, somebody would come, and he knew that if he just uh, a few little tricks of the trade that he could make a lot of money in that process. But he was so consumed with the fact of what, where's the, what's the condition of their soul that he had to uh, escape the conversation about insurance. He had to talk about Jesus, and people started getting born again. Are you with me? And then there, there came that time where, um, you know, he finally told his boss, hey, look, um, I think I'm called to preach the gospel. And, and his boss said this. He said, look, he said, look, John, g- g- go, go take three months of sabbatical. Go preach. Get this religious thing out of your, out of your system. And, and, and then $50,000 a year look really good to you. So he said, thank you, and never look back. <laughs> and so, anyways, I'm, let me maybe add something just in case. If we say yes to God, it doesn't mean we're going to be called the fivefold ministry. Okay? Because God definitely needs people in the marketplace in every facet that are standing strong for him. Amen? All right. So anyways, it's kind of like this, though, of, of going what we're trying to uh, get away from. It's, it's kind of this fact of, of where God wants us, where his burden, his passion burns in us, his purpose burns in us so much that once again that we don't wake every morning, wake up every morning and go, what am I going to do today? In other words, this aimless, this aimless mindset. And, I, and, I, and I've said this before here, but it's like uh, going back to that Charlie Brown uh, comic book strip where, where Charlie Brown is sitting in the backyard once again, taking his bow and arrow, and he's shooting an arrow into the fence. And then after the arrow was in the fence, he would walk over to it and he would draw a circle around the arrow in it. And, and so... 
That's my kind of shooting. So anyway, so so the you know the little sassy girl with black hair. I don't know Lucy or Sally or whatever. What's her name? Yeah, I don't like her. Anyway, so um, he. She would say, Charlie Brown, why are you doing that? And I've told you before, but he said, he said, this way I never miss. And I think so often that's how we wake up as Christians. We just go throughout our day without putting our head to the Father's heart and saying, Lord, what do you want to do today? What's the purpose of my life? Where are we going? What do you want to do? Holy Spirit, be the senior partner. And because we don't do that, we just at the end of the day, so if we want a good conscience, go, well, I nailed it today. And really what we're doing is, is we just drew a circle around the arrow of our life. Amen? See, God hasn't called us to live aimlessly. In fact, he's, he's called us to live in this way. This is probably one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. And I've said it until I'm blue in the face here. But Ephesians 2.10. I love this verse. It says, For we are his workmanship, his work of art, created in Christ Jesus. So you can say that we are born again for good works. That, that means uh, honorable works. Uh, you know, it's actions, but all really what it boils down to, there's several meanings there, but it really means that we were born again for a purpose. It's really what it means. It says, which God prepared once again beforehand, that's why we have to look to him, that we should walk in them. Somebody say walk. Once again, creating Christ Jesus for good works or for purpose, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. The word walk there simply means that we should conduct or we should regulate our lives according to God's purpose for our lives. Do you get that? We should regulate and conduct our lives according to his purpose. So, so that tells me this, that once again, that life is not about just waking up, making money, to pay the bills, to feed the kids, to feed the family, and then to get up and repeat the next day. Yes? That there's something there, once again, that he wants us to, to thrive in, not just survive. So Ephesians 5, 15, and 18, this is actually the verse that started all of this for me. This verse over the, over, uh, the Christmas season really, 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 really challenged me, and God really began to speak to me out of it. And I'm only going to give you a small piece of it today, but... What I've done in this verse, uh, just kind of warn you in case there's somebody that might get on me later, but, but this is actually the New King James, the Amplified, and the New Living Translation combined. I cheated, all right? So uh, just kind of a heads up. There's like pieces of each one just because just I thought it flowed better. But Ephesians 5, 15 through 18, it really is God telling us how he expects us to walk in his purpose, Okay. It says this, see then that you walk circumspectively, circumspectly, which means simply carefully. And then it says this, live purposefully and worthily. Somebody say worthily. Hard word to say, especially when you're from Alabama. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately. It says not as the unwise and witless. I love that. But as wise, intelligent people. Is anybody smart in here? Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be dumb. All right. So not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, intelligent people. Watch this. Verse 16 says, making the most of every opportunity. I like the, what, what that actually means in the Greek. It actually means to make sacred use of every opportunity in these evil days. And then it says this. Don't act thoughtlessly. 
but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled, be filled, be filled, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And to understand today, there's many of you that are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and, but what that means, it doesn't mean a one-time shot. It actually means a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That, that, that's how he wants us to live. He doesn't, in other words, he once again doesn't want us to wake up and approach it aimlessly, but he actually wants us to be deliberate. He wants us to be careful and knowing his heart, knowing what he wants us to do, and then to understand that if we're going to fulfill that, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when God gives you a purpose, if it's really from him, it's going to be way bigger than you. And you won't be able to accomplish it in your own strength, in your own wisdom. You're going to need the grace and the favor of God and the anointing of God to be able to do it. Amen? So in short, basically, it's simply this. If you want to write something down in your notes, maybe if, you know, just say this. I need to live my life in an intentional way. That's it. That I need to live my life in an intentional way. And what changes that is this, is that means that every conversation that I have, that prayer time, whatever, I'm just being very intentional in what I'm doing. So I'm going to share a story with you, and then one thing after that, and then Miss Vicky's going to come. Um, I read this story the other day, and it reminded me of really of what my personal motivation is of why I do what I do, okay, of why I spend uh, the amount of time I do uh, seeking God's heart and wanting to know what God wants to do with my life and, and as we lead here in the church. But let me share a story with you, and then I'll kind of prove the point. Here's the story I read the other day. It says this, that American soldier... And the Vietnam War was about to step on an anti-personnel landmine that was hidden from his sight. It says his comrade across the battlefield, his friend, it says who could see the impending disaster from his vantage point. You get that? That his buddy is about to step on a landmine, and he's way over there. He can see it from a distance. He knows what's about to happen. And, and let, me just, let me just go with it. It actually says that at that moment, as he saw his friend about to step on it, that he was hiding behind a uh, you know, cover, and he stood up and he yelled to his friend across the battlefield, uh, basically a life-saving warning to keep him from, from dying. And at the moment that he screamed it, he got shot. And from that wound, he died. So fast forward, uh, years later, they were having, they were having a, a, a memorial service um, where obviously he was being honored and other soldiers being honored. And, and this friend that, that didn't step on the landmine that was saved was there to honor his friend. And in that, in that ceremony, in that memorial service, he had the opportunity to meet his buddy's wife and seven-year-old son. And so when he, when he met them, uh, obviously his heart was broken, and, and, and here's this little seven-year-old boy who really didn't get the opportunity to know his dad, and, and he was just heartbroken. And so to console him, the guy that, that his life was saved uh, knelt down, put his hand on the shoulder of the young kid, and he said, he said, son, I want you to know that your daddy saved my life. And the little boy said this. The little boy, with tears running down his face, looked him in the eye and said, sir, were you worth it? So here's my personal motivation. Jesus died for me. Is the life I'm living worth the price that he paid? Y'all follow me today. See, the late Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, is what you're living for worth Christ dying for? Is what you're living for worth Christ dying for? And it's this fact that, listen, at the end of the day, 
you know, I, I know we all, we, we all run through life and we all get busy, and I get it. Sometimes we need to be reminded that we're really living for eternity, right? But there's going to be a day, according to Hebrews 9.27, that we're going to stand before God. And, and listen, because we're born again, the wrath of God's not going to come on us. But at that moment, I, I want to hear more than just, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to know that this life counted for something for that blood that he shed. Is anybody with me today? Yes? So there's that thing, if you can maybe, uh, I, you know, I'm not saying Jesus is asking us that today, but if we could kind of ask ourselves today, man, is the life I'm living, is it worth him dying for? And if it's not, then maybe we can make some adjustments. Amen? Because he's worth it. Yes? He is worth it. That's why in that, in that verse in, in Ephesians 5 where it says, live worthily. And I love what Ephesians also says, says, live a life worthy of repentance. So let me give you a thought today, okay? And Miss Vicky, you can go ahead and come up if you want to. Okay. So let me let me give you a thought. So statistically, um, statistically, the average individual lives uh, twenty five thousand five hundred and fifty days. Twenty five thousand five hundred and fifty days. Now, if uh, you're better at math than me, then you've already figured up that that is 70 years. Some live shorter, some some live longer. But but the statistics say when you average out, when you average out all of that, <laughs> you okay? I got it. Thank you. You're welcome. When when you average out all of that, if we're the typical human being, we're going to live 25,550 days. Now, watch this. If we're going to live that many days, doesn't it seem to doesn't seem like it would be a wise decision to maybe set aside a few days to figure out how we're going to live the rest of those days? Does that make sense? So 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 often we sorry so often we uh, you know we just get running and once again we get we get on that we get on that hamster wheel of life and and, and we don't take the time to stop right. And, and, and really, I, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebuke myself here and, and turn off the TV, quit watching sports for a minute, and to really make time to go, okay, Lord, what are you saying? You know, follow me. So here, here's kind of the invitation. Uh, we, are, we are doing a class, but, but you know, listen, this class, the, the, the pressure isn't on Miss Vicky to figure out everybody's purpose in this room. Holy smokes, right? That would be very difficult. But what it is, is our hope is, because we've been thinking about this for a while, this isn't something that we decided to do last week. It, it, it's a thing that, that um, we want to show you guys a reason to come, and then not only to come, but to help you somehow give you the tools to put in your hands to figure this thing out. Amen? To once again, 25,550 days to go, okay, how am I going to live those for God's purpose so that when I stand before him, I'm going to live worthy of that blood that he shed. Amen. Thank you. Don't you love how God works? Because Pastor Quentin and I were talking about how are we going going to do this and should we be interacting and all we settled on, you know, Pastor Quentin just needs to do what God shows him to do. Speak to you what God shows him to speak. And I'm listening for what God is wanting to share through me. And that if it's two solos, that's okay. And then we'll just see how they come together. And it's 
so beautiful how that works because where you ended with Ephesians, he had me start with Ephesians. Isn't that fun? I just love that. And when Pastor Quentin was talking about coming back to the basics, some of you may have seen this old cornflakes commercial years ago because, you know, they were kind of boring. And so they had this commercial that said, okay, cornflakes, try them again for the first time. They were trying to get people excited again to go back to the basics. That's, in a way, what we're really doing. And I'm, I'm happy to be part of that. One, basically, that's what I can do is the basics. And then you guys can take it and run with it from there. But I think that we'll look at what's foundational to us. And so this, is, this verse in Ephesians is what I've been praying for you, for God to bring it to life for us. And, you know, starting with Ephesians 2.10, for, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we have to first accept that we truly are a work of art. You are a work of art, a masterpiece, a poem. I think that verse, that word is translated in, in um, some resources. So once we accept that, that we were actually created to do something, so it's not like we're just sitting around, but we don't have to conjure up what to do. We don't have to design who we are, much like what you were saying, but we're uncovering, we're discovering. So it is a process. It won't be just a quick answer. Um, but God prepared it in advance. And I love in, in Thessalonians that he's faithful, and whatever it is he calls you to, he'll do it. So he is working through us. So if I'm picturing we have a trinity. Pastor Quinton talked about this a few weeks ago. We have God the Father. We have Jesus, his Son, our Savior. We have Holy Spirit all interacting in this divine dance. And they, are, they operate as one, but each one has a distinct role. And then how amazing is it that they said, hmm, let's include you guys. And so God paid the price. That's the price he was, he was talking about just a few moments ago, so that we're now invited into that dance of the Trinity. We're included. How many believe that? And yet we still forget it some days. Sometimes our default might be we wake up and we feel like, oh, I don't really belong. We do belong. We do. And so if you back up a few verses in Ephesians, he's starting with the fact in Ephesians 2 that we're made alive in Christ. That, you know, we hadn't done anything right yet. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You can see he raised us up. He put us in here. We're included in here. And we each have, we operate as one, his body, but we have a distinct purpose. So that's the, the basic foundation that we're, we're coming from here. And Why? The next verse there, verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. 
So it's by grace. It's a gift from him. So that he's done his part, and now our part is that discovery process, uncovering it and then being willing to step step into it. So we're, we're on the, the same page about that. And remember a few weeks ago, I shared from Galatians that we're to make a careful exploration of who we are and the work we've been given so we can sink ourselves into that. That's the message. And we're doing the creative best we can with our own life. So, you know, my husband, Ben, is a chiropractor. He feels very much called to that. If I start expecting Michelle to be a chiropractor and to let the Holy Spirit work through her in the same way it works through him, and I judge you if you don't do it, that's crazy. You see how crazy that is. If you're doing, you know, if Jake's doing a Lifehouse ministry and he's thinking, well, Diane, you should be over here doing this. No, see, you're going to hear directly from God what your purpose is. So we can give input to one another. I can help create some processes to help you discover it. But honestly, it's going to be that vertical relationship where God will speak into your heart how he created you. And we'll start sort of pulling apart some of those things so that you have a basis to do the exploration. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm going to just move forward here. You may be wondering, as I was doing my little dance up here with my bowls, this is a set of kitchen nesting bowls. Okay, so one bowl fits within the other, fits within the other, fits within the other. And this is, in the coaching that I do, one of the simplest illustrations. I've shown it to a few of you over time, but again, we're trying them again for the first time. But some of you could be up here speaking this. I hope that'll be a reinforcement for you. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and, and share what I've been sharing with coaching clients and students in the coach training for, I think, about 14 years. So we'll start with the biggest bowl, okay? This big bowl. And like Pastor Quentin said, where are we going to begin in considering our purpose? Anyone listening? Yeah, in the, in the basics, with God. So this biggest bowl... And it took me a couple of years to realize I'd forgotten the biggest bowl when I first started doing this. But for us as Christians, this is God's big dream. Okay? So we have his big, big dream. It's his vision. It's his design. What is it that he's wanting to accomplish in this world for now and all eternity? That's his dream. And our story then fits within God's big narrative. Okay, so that that's, is our starting point. So we do want to get, keep getting to know God, keep getting to know what that big picture is, that over-the-fence glimpse, glimpse that will take us beyond ourselves. But if we don't want to always stay so big and pie in the sky out there that we miss our part. Okay? So we're going to go to the next bowl. So this one, and I do want to say this, there, if you read 10 books on vision, purpose, mission, you'll probably see 10 different definitions. 
So I'm not claiming that I am the be-all, end-all, that I know exactly this is the right way. I just want us to be on the same page with our terminology. And then, you know, you may decide to change it up later. So you're free to do that. But just so that we can talk even over these next weeks and be on the same page. So this poll that fits within God's big dream, and it has to be consistent with it to really fit, this is your vision. Okay? Your vision. So this is that specific, compelling image of the future that you hold, that you would so love to see happen, the big picture result or legacy you want to see. It's your seeing. Okay, vision, what you want to see, the seeing piece. And that is the part of God's big dream that he's entrusted to you. You still with me? Okay. So he has this big dream, but it's not going to be just him. It's not just him, Jesus, Holy Spirit, floating around someplace. He went to all that trouble so that we're in on the action plan. And, and so, but there's going to be a piece that you want to see that you really care about that is not going to be the same as what I'm passionate about or what really disturbs me if it doesn't happen. So that's why we need, we're going to be paying attention to that. Okay, so this, if you have a, in this thing, the vision statement for you, and you may also have one, the vision statement for your church or your business, but this is for you. It will be fairly brief, but it needs to be all-encompassing. So, because everything else now is going to have to be compatible with it. Okay? So, we'll, we'll go into this more depth later. What would the next bowl be? Still has to fit within. So see how it needs to be a perfect fit. There can't be other stuff that doesn't fit. This one is your purpose by my definition here. Okay? So this is your calling. Your underlying reason for being that gives your life meaning. And it's your part, okay, in bringing about this vision. Hear all this clattering on there? Those are the bowls really fitting well together. So it's your part in bringing about this vision that fits within God's big dream that helps to make that happen. So this is your being. Okay, the vision is your being. The vision was your seeing. Purpose purpose is your being. It's the essence of who you are. It's you know, I remember Leah a few years ago saying, just in a whole different context, but saying, you know, you just, just do what you do, like what just shows up whenever you enter the room. And I'm, I didn't even know if people could see that, that there's something that happens when I enter the room. But there's something that happens when you enter the room, Abby, that's different, that's so special, that's needed in our body, in our world. That's the purpose piece, the essence. And then your doing flows out of that. Okay? So... Next bowl. This one is your doing. So this is mission. Okay. That fits. See how perfectly that fits in there? So this changes season to season. Usually we're we're still uncovering it, but the, the vision remains fairly consistent throughout your life. We don't always have an awareness of it. The purpose stays fairly consistent through your life. 
because that's how God created you. Mission, though, changes season by season, how you live it out. So this is the doing, and it's the particular way that you choose right now in this season of your life to actually live out your purpose. So it could change. You know, someone who, who's, who has a purpose that involves great physical activity, if they have a car accident, now does their purpose never get fulfilled? No. They're going to change it. They're going to live that out, but in a different way. Maybe they'll write a book. Maybe they'll, who knows what, what they'll do. So the per, God is not going to leave you purposeless because of some circumstance. So we get to choose, this is part of our part, how do I want to live out this purpose right now and for this coming season? And it's all the ways that you, in, in effect, operationalize your purpose. For what point? Okay, so so what? So I say in this season, I do coaching. I work with Youth with a Mission and their master's program to facilitate a process. I do these classes here, you know, and help come alongside Pastor Quinton at CLFC. So what? So the reason I'm doing this is so that my purpose can be lived out. So that my vision can be realized. So that another piece of God's big dream is accomplished. It can't be separate, you guys. And if you started out the new year with great goals, that's this next bowl, that are resolutions, and it's not part of this whole set, Do you see how lifeless that can be? That is a law-based to-do list then. No wonder we only do it for about a week and a half. (laughs) If I I have to lose 20 pounds and it's just this little bowl of goals, which is the actual task to be done by a specific time, I have a goal to lose 20 pounds by da-da-da, and it's not really tied to what's important to you. And your mission for this season and your purpose to bring about that vision that helps accomplish God's big dream, there's just not going to be any life in it. Has anyone experienced that today or yesterday? <laughs> I mean, it just, that's just, just the way it is. So we want goals. Goals are good. We want specific things to be identified that this is the actual action that we're going to take, but for some purpose, intentional to intentionally live it out. Because, you know, if we don't set our minds, they're going to be set for us by the enemy. There's a default that we, back in those days before we were included, those patterns and habits are pretty ingrained. And yet we get to choose to intentionally set our minds and be transformed. How fun is that? How fun is that? So we want smart goals. We want to set goals that are truly up to us. So let's say I decide, okay, my goal for this year is to, you know, have a hundred of you come for the class I'm going to teach. Who could block that goal? Every one of you and me, probably. (laughs) But what if I set as my goal, I'm going to be the best facilitator I can be 
to help as many people as invite me in to discover who they are and what's important to them so they can live that out? Who can block that? That's between God and me. Now, what you do with it is up to you. Whether you come or not is up to you. But it's okay. You're free to choose. But for my choice, I want to be intentional. And it's so much less um, controlling to just let other people make their own choices. And, and so freeing, really. So you can see how in, in this tiny, tiny little bowl, some sets don't have this many. I think these are those little niggling tasks that just drive you crazy every day. They have to get done. They have to. Someone's got to wash the dishes. How many feel called to wash the dishes? Someone might. I don't. You do. Okay. Would you please come over and see? You're needed in this body. <laughs> so we do need those, but it's if, if if that is even part of you know, setting the environment where you can really accomplish the goals so that your mission is lived out, so that you're on purpose. You know, my brothers and I used to have this little thing we would say to each other, yeah, you did that accidentally on purpose. There's no accidentally on purpose. It's either on purpose or it's accidentally. <laughs> so we want to be on purpose. And, if, and imagine if we have a whole body of people operating on purpose together. Yeah, they're, they're going to be different. So I have a little um, exercise. And this is the kind of, I'm, I like to bring in a lot of different elements as we, we do this. So this is what I'll say. I would really, okay, don't do anything yet. Don't start yet. Hold on. So this is a, a little, I'll call it an experiment that was done at Harvard in 1999. So some of you may have seen this already. And if you have, just bear, bear with us. It's only a minute and 21 seconds long. I think you can handle it. So <laughs> endure. <laughs> but there's going to be a point to it. So what I'd really love for you to do, if you would, to fully enter in, is really pay attention up front to the instructions that they're going to give. And he'll tell you something that he wants you to do for the rest of this video. Okay? And then afterwards we'll talk about it and see what you, what you experienced. You're just going to really pay attention to what he's saying, and then we'll, we'll uh, debrief it together. So go ahead. Thanks. There's a test of selective attention. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the basketball. How many passes did you count? So keep track of how many you got. The correct answer is 15 passes. But did you see the gorilla? This video is from research okay. by Daniel Thank Simons you. and Christopher Shabri and is copyrighted. It is a vi- Okay, how many got that it was 15 passes? Okay, a few did. Yeah, we've probably got all sorts of other numbers counted, too. How many saw the gorilla the first time? Wow, that's pretty good. Okay, and how many have seen this before? Yeah, okay, so uh, one or two. So I have seen this, and then so a lot of people have. So they actually did another one later, and it was a little bit different version. 
So I thought, okay, I'll just watch that and see. So they go through the whole thing, and they have, um, you know, they're doing different kinds of passes and that kind of thing. And the, the gorilla comes out. He's so obvious. And so I, we go through the whole thing, and at the end it says, okay, so here, how many passes did you see? Did you see the gorilla? And you may have seen the gorilla, but did you see the chicken? I'm like, oh, my gosh, I totally missed the chicken. They had a chicken going across there. So what was really happening that I didn't see it the first time? I did not see the gorilla, even though I knew it's called the invisible gorilla experiment. <laughs> what does that tell you? So what's going on is we're, we were setting our minds. The ones who especially did not see the gorilla you were really zeroing in on what you were looking for. And you were looking for the white passes. Okay? And so there was a lot of other stuff that may be going on, but what we're really zeroed in on, what we're looking for, or in coaching we talk about what we're actually listening for, that's going to stand out. That's what we'll pay attention to. And, and some of the other things may go by the wayside, but... We want to be intentional even about what we're looking for. So that's part of what, what we'll do as we go, go through these um, classes together. So thanks for participating in, in that with me. I just love that. What is it that's tied to all this vision, purpose, mission, goals, work that we want to be looking for? And we actually have in coaching um, a template to consider for what we're, we're looking for. And as Christian coaches, which is that's what I do and that's the training I do, <clears throat> it, it, it's the big six. Often you'll see this as the big five. So the big six includes ours that we have added in, which is Holy Spirit leadings. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're listening for. So there'll be ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to you, Cody, that's going to be different from how he speaks to me. There are going to be ways that he might whisper to you, Jim, or he might be really more flashy with you, Lynette. So whatever it is, we're, we're leaning in, we're listening and looking for, okay, what is the Holy Spirit up to here? We want that because that is that going to happen if you're in this dance of the Trinity? Yeah, but we could miss it. We may be so busy looking for something else that we weren't looking for that. So that's one thing that we'll be looking for. Um, focus is one thing that we, we look for. Is you will have something that when you enter a room, you're automatically focused on. That It's going to be different from what someone else is focused on. Even if you come to a coaching uh, session with me, there's going to be a specific focus that you're choosing. But the real focus may be something else because it's so occupying your mind so we would it's helpful to see where you're being uh, double-minded because you know what the word says about that then we'll be we'll be unstable and we want that stability that what we talked about with you duncan's earlier that stability that basic solid foundation so we don't want to be double-minded and yet we may need to have it revealed to us where that's the case so we, we would look for that. We would look for focus. We would look for your mindset and your attitude. Because it can be working for you to support you in moving forward purposefully. It could be working against you. If you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to this class, but, you know, what could she possibly teach me? 
working for you or against you, <laughs> working for me or against me. Um, you know, you, you want to be able to, and you, can you choose your attitude? Yes, you really can. You can. If you can set your mind, you can choose your attitude. Will some things put it to the test? Yes. But the circumstances and people in our lives aren't making us the way they are, but they are revealing uh, the way we are. And that's important to see. So you can see how there's some humility involved here to really be able to see, okay, what is my real attitude? Am I going in here with limiting thinking that I need to really be willing to have God tear down so that I can really move forward strategically? Okay. So we have Holy Spirit leadings, focus, mindset, attitude. And the next one is skills and capabilities. So you see, when Pastor Quentin said that we're not just looking inside, but we are looking inside. It's just that we're starting with God's big picture. We're starting with who he is and how he created us. And then in that context, then it's a safe thing to look inside. But as you could imagine, like some new age or humanists might have a similar set of roles, but it would be a smaller set. God's big dream may not really be part of that. For us, it is. It's a key. That's what everything's contained within. So skills and capabilities, this is where, you know, the work I do with Myers-Briggs, for example, or DISC or whatever, to help you discern your personality, what energizes you, what helps you to make decisions in a way that's unique to you, what, how do you want to approach life, do you like to be spontaneous and flexible, or do you prefer structure, order, a linear approach. <laughs> there, all those things are part and parcel of your purpose. Because did God know when He wired you a certain way, what He wanted to do with you? Yeah. So He made you as a let's say a tool, an artist a tool to do something with, and yet we don't want it to just be let to go out of control. We we still have a self management piece in this. Um, strength. So Strengths Finder, for example, is an assessment that helps you to discover your top five strengths that if you were to bring those to an organization, to, into the business world, into the body, those would be the areas where you would be most fulfilled and the overall organization would be most uh, contributed to or most benefited. But it's not just having that talent. So it's talent plus skills plus knowledge equals strength. So there might be some areas where you have a natural talent, but it's just not fully developed yet. That's not a bad thing. It's good to recognize it, though, because you don't want to step out there when it's undeveloped. You want to have that specific equipping. We're empowered. We have Holy Spirit within us but we still have a specific equipping that is needed. The, the Bible says that we have these gifts that God's placed within, but what do we need to do with them? Fan them into flames. It's like a spark. We're going to fan it into flames. That all, this is all part of it. So specific gifting goes with a specific purpose. Are we, you okay? You hanging in here with me? Okay. So habits and patterns would be the next part of this that we're looking for, listening for. And again, it's which ones are working for you, which ones are you maybe just on autopilot, 
and it's time to change. But you see, it's not, it's not the New Year's resolution that you're just, oh, I have a bad habit. I gotta stop that. But if that bad habit is preventing you from really living out your mission, so that your purpose is operationalized, so that your vision is realized, and so that God's big dream, your piece of it, actually comes about. Now it, you see how it's a different motivation. Okay. So we would want to look at those. And then the last one, I'll, I'll, we'll call it energy. But it's more in terms of, you know, what are you passionate about? What energizes you? And as you go through your day... Even if you're in a, a work situation, for example, that might feel disempowering, which is not fun, there are still bits and pieces of that day that you can realize, oh, I, I came to a life right there. You know, this overall thing may not be what I love, but, oh, when I can really be talking in this relationship with the other people. That's what really brings me to life. So that's kind of the energy part of the passion, what, you know, gives you a purpose to wake up in the morning. Those would be the things that we're looking for, that we're listening for. So who would be in for wanting to join me in looking for those kinds of things in your own life, just to, to see? Okay. So a few of you really aren't there yet. That's completely okay. Maybe you want to pick a certain piece of it, and you're up for seeing that piece. That's okay, because it is an emerging process. It's kind of, it's not like just a snapshot. It's more like this giant mural, almost a living mural, and we're going to take bits and pieces as you're open to receiving them, and as God reveals it and shows it. And, and then we'll just see what comes, and we'll see what specific equipment might be needed next. Okay, so I'm going to just close with this uh, declaration. <clears throat> so I thought I will, I'll read it, and if, as I read it, if you would like to stand and after and have us really be in agreement on it, that it's something you want to declare too, Let's go ahead and, and do that after. But this is uh, Robert McGee who wrote Search for Significance. Um, this is something that he put together, pulled out of Scripture. Uh, you may know he, uh, they started RAFA, um, Christ-Centered Treatment Centers. They started Right Step Groups, which is a Christ-Centered 12-step group when we were in Atlanta. I was part of helping to get that together. And then I met a Christian artist this past year that did this in calligraphy and did some of her art on it. So I'm, I'm sharing from that. So here it is. Just listen and see if you want to join in. Because of Christ's redemption, I am a new creation of infinite worth. I am deeply loved. I am completely forgiven. I am fully pleasing. I am totally accepted by God. I am absolutely complete in Christ. When my performance reflects my new identity in Christ, that reflection is dynamically unique. There has never been another person like me in the history of mankind, nor will there ever be. 
God has made me an original, one of a kind, really somebody. Anybody else want to join in with me on that? Okay, let's go ahead and stand up for anyone who would like to. And I'll say it line by line, and, and then you can, can repeat, if you will. <clears throat> so because of Christ's redemption, I am a new creation of infinite worth. I am deeply loved. I am completely forgiven. I am fully pleasing. I am totally accepted by God. I am absolutely complete in Christ. When my performance reflects my new identity in Christ, that reflection is dynamically unique. There has never been another person like me in the history of mankind, nor will there ever be. God has made me an original, one of a kind, really somebody. Amen. Thank you. You can stay standing. You don't mind, we're just going to pray over you and uh, give you a few announcements and we'll be done. Father, I thank you today, God, that you've called every one of us to be an original breath. Father, that you've called every one of us to be a voice in this room and not an echo. Lord, that you've called us to have our own passion and not just uh, borrow somebody else's. And so, Lord, today we just thank you that as we step through this process, uh, God, that we would discover, that you would uncover Lord, the purpose that you have for our lives. God, we set our hearts to engage with you. And, Lord, we thank you that, even as we said at the beginning, that you do not fail. But you said that when we seek uh, you with all of our hearts, God, that we would find you. And that when we find you, we find all that entails of you. And so, Lord, today we just uh, take a moment to recognize, God, that the first place, uh, God, that if we don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our heart, that there's absolutely no way to ever know our purpose. And so, Lord, I just pray at this moment, God, that if there's anybody in this room, God, that doesn't know you, God, that we would take a second in our own hearts to say, God, uh, simply this, that, Lord, we believe that Jesus is God, that we believe that he did die on the cross for us, that he was uh, resurrected from the dead three days later, and that are in our own hearts today, God, that we would repent of our sins. We say, God, please forgive us. Make us anew. God, come and live inside of us. Uh, today come and make us a new creation so lord that we can walk with you in that way and so lord today uh god wherever we're at in this room god you know the condition of our souls god if we need to get right with you god we make that decision even now to get right with you maybe we've been back so lord we come back to you uh to god to get back in fellowship with you and to run for your purposes and your plan and your will for our lives in jesus name amen amen if you could just look up here for a second um Give you a few thoughts here. We um, we have about fifty something people signed up for this class on Wednesday night. Once again, a reminder: it starts at six thirty. So if you could please be on time, and uh, if you've signed up, please uh, stick with that commitment. We would encourage you to do so. But it's for the next three weeks, and then we're we're not kind of done after three weeks. We're going to continue. Vicky's going to Switzerland, and and I'll be stepping in and probably teaching there for a bit. So uh, if you are a teenager, uh, the youth will be in here for this class, so please come. But uh, anyways, if you 
you can, if you haven't signed up and you want to sign up, please do so tonight because, or this afternoon because uh, we need to know how many people to set up for. And if I could kind of uh, ask for some help today, uh, once service is over, we're going to actually set the, the sanctuary up because the kids are downstairs on Wednesday, Wednesday nights. So we're going to set this room up for the class. We're going to put some tables out and stuff like that. So if you uh, can help us, we sure would appreciate it. Okay, let me see if I'm missing anything. Just remember uh, what Jake said. Remember they're having an open house today from 2 to 4. Uh, Duncan's is going to preach. Ha. And he's going to preach, preacher. And so, anyways, also, because uh, it's really important, if uh, if there's a uh, cancellation of service, uh, remember that you can look, and that's obviously for, for weather purposes, but you can look at the church website, the Facebook, or you can look on Channel 6, 8, and 13. I don't even know Channel 6, 8, 13 is. But if you can look there, you can look there. I don't have TV. So, anyways, um, so today, just remember, if you are... If you are wanting to give today, uh, we have a box in the back. If you don't mind, just uh, a tithe offering, just put it in there today before you leave. And also, if you're visiting with us today, maybe you've uh, been here once, maybe you haven't been in a while. If you don't mind taking a second, just fill out that green card that's in the seat pocket in front of you. Just let us know you're here. And also, if you have a prayer request, there's a uh, prayer request uh, card in front of you. And you can also put uh, all of that in the box as well. Amen. So, Father, thank you for your people. We bless them today. Thank you for the opportunity to give. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing in this day, in this hour. In fact, just as your word says, God, that that uh, you pre-appointed us to be born in this day, in this location, and this time for your purpose, for your glory. And so, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to serve our generation just as David did and uh, with purpose and intentionality. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you guys. If uh, If you are willing to help, please come see me.